The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. Okay, our reading today is from Romans 3.21 through 26. In your pew Bibles, that's page 941. Now, if any of you don't have a Bible, please feel free to take the one you're holding as our gift to you. Again, that's page 941, Romans 3, 21 through 26. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is the word of God. Well, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Thank you for being here. Great to be with you this morning. My name is Phil. I'm one of the elders here at Fountain of Life Fellowship, and we're so glad you're with us today. Today is a special day um, on the calendar. Uh, You've heard uh, Chris mention it. Today is Freedom Sunday, and uh, we're excited to share with you some thoughts uh, about justice, the gospel, And uh, one way that you and I can work together for justice in our world. Now, we want to let you know that Fountain of Life Fellowship already partners uh, with a group called International Justice Mission. This is a gospel organization that works around the world in some very amazing ways to liberate slavery, uh, people from slavery, and also um, sex trafficking. And these are amazing people who do very scary things, uh, but they do it in Jesus' name, and they go in his love, and they go with his, uh, his strength and um, confidence to go what they uh, go out and do. And so uh, we partner with them already, and uh, today we hope that you'll uh, find a good reason for yourself to partner with them as well. Now, this morning we have four speakers and who will be briefly addressing four important questions for us today. What is injustice? Secondly, how does the gospel address injustice? And how does International Justice Mission address injustice? And then what does it mean for us to participate with them? And uh, so there will be some videos along the way so, um, uh, that we hope will be helpful and uh, if you're sitting in the back and you want us to be able to see the videos better, because you can probably tell our screen is only that big, so if you want to move forward, that'd be fine. That's okay. But uh, first, I want to begin by addressing the question, what is injustice? Now, understanding injustice uh, has to begin with the understanding of what the, the value that humans have 
since we've been made in the image of God. Now, in Genesis 1, uh, verse 20 tells us, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. Now, we're, we're made in the image of God. That's pretty special. And each person, no matter what kind of distinctions they might have, gender, size, color, ethnic background, it doesn't matter. Every human being is valuable and deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. We have a biblical foundation for, think, for feeling this way and understanding our world this way. And God has proclaimed that humans are valuable simply for being human. And now we also know from Scripture and experience that we've all sinned. Uh, we've rebelled against God. We've uh, said to God, we don't want you. And also we've said to one another we, that we don't, we've said that we don't love God. We've also said to one another, we're not going to love one another the way that we should. And the Bible really laments this because as a people, all of mankind, we've committed injustice. In Ecclesiastes 4, verse 1, it says, Again I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. So, now let's ask ourselves, how would you define injustice? Now, International Justice Mission has given us a definition that they use, and their definition is injustice is the abuse of power to take from others the good things that God intends for them, their life, their dignity, and the fruits of their love and their labor. Now, we've already talked about from Genesis and what Scripture um, laments from Ecclesiastes, God's people should care about injustice and uh, working against injustice. Uh, let's see, the, uh, in Proverbs 22, verse 7, we talked about that, how the, the um, well, that's our next verse. There it is, okay. Uh, God's people... Um, should be aware of this truth about how we have not loved one another as we should have. Proverbs 22, verse 7 says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity, and the rod of his fury will fail. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. Now, what we've seen from history and our present-day experience is that uh, it tends to be the rich and the strong and the powerful that abuse their power and their position to abuse the poor. And uh, what we know from Scripture that God promises that God will judge injustice in our world, and God's people need to live and will live justly. And uh, we want to consider one particular area of injustice today Injustice and slavery. 
Now, uh, this is going to be some hard news. Think about these numbers that I'm going to share with you right now. Think about this. In our world today, 2018, we're, we are supposed to be so advanced, but yet in our world today, over 40 million people are held in slavery this very minute, right now, today. 40 million people. And uh, in 2016, it was estimated that now 3.8 million adults were victims of forced sexual exploitation. 3.8 million. And here's another staggering thought. One million children were victims of commercial sexual exploitation. Why is this? Money. Human trafficking generates about $150 billion, with a B, billion dollars per year. And two-thirds of that from commercial sexual exploitation. So right now we'd like to show you a, a video from the Bible Project uh, regarding what the Bible has to say about justice. Thank you, Phil. Where are you? Oh, he's in the back. There he is. Thank you, Phil. <laughs> so um, we're going to take a look at one of the most important questions in the Christian faith. The great dilemma of the universe. And we're going to do it in five minutes. <laughs> the question is this. If God is good and just, how can he forgive sinners and justify them and still be good and just? You understand the question? I'll say it again. If God is good and just, how can he forgive and justify wicked people and still be good and just? A more direct way to say this, if God is good, and we say that all the time, God is good, then he cannot forgive us. If God is good, he cannot forgive us. Let me give an example. This is a tough example, but I use it and it helps. Um, let's say you left your family, you went grocery shopping, you came back home, and I murdered your entire family. Okay, And I had your last living member in my hand, and I'm laughing, and I ended that life. And let's say, for some strange reason, you didn't come and jump on me and kill me, but you took me, and you sent me to the police. And then the police take me to Judgment Day, to the evidence of it. And the judge looks at me, and he says, I'm a good judge. Habib, I love you. You're free to go. How would you respond to that? Angry? <laughs> you would think to yourself, right, that the judge sitting on the stand is more wicked and evil than the criminal that he let go. So, our question. If we're saying God is good and he's, he's a good judge and he's going to do right, how can he, still being good and just, Say, I forgive you. I'm a good God. Does God sweep sin under the rug? No. Does he wink his eye at your sin and say, oh, I love you? No. Let's look at this uh, passage in Romans 3, 
verses 23 to 26. This first line should scare all of us if we really understand God and his, and his glory. Um, let's, um, let me read it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation for our sins by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So now Paul, he's, he's bringing up this question. He's, he's showing us that the cross of Jesus was meant to show us God's righteousness. See, if God was just to forgive sinners and just say you're forgiven with no payment, no punishment for their sins, we cannot say he is a good God. Because we have a God that lets evil go and unpunished. If us humans want to see justice done to wicked and evil things, how much more God? So let's play the accuser of the saints real quick. Let's say Abraham is on the stand and the accuser is saying, Hey God, you require perfection. You said do not lie. Abraham lied twice. He didn't trust you. Let's take Moses. Moses. Look at, look at Moses. This is your prophet. He killed an Egyptian man by his own hand. David, a man after your own heart, he took somebody else's wife and then killed him. Paul. Paul is your, your, your apostle. He's starting churches. But what about when he killed a bunch of Christians as your church was growing? Do you see the cry? God requires perfection. He's holy. Do you see the, the sins of these saintly people? And the Bible says that they've been forgiven. Let's look at Proverbs 17, 15. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike in what? Abomination to the Lord. That word is probably the most strongest word we have in the Bible of something that is vile and wicked. But in Romans 3, we see that God justifies the wicked. Can Scripture be broken? No. So this is the great dilemma. This is the problem. How can he forgive us and still be right? Because the Bible says if he does that, he's an abomination. And so we have our answer. And it's in the word P of our verse. And I'll just quickly read it. Um, whom God put forward, Jesus... As a propitiation, can we get a repeat? Propitiation. Uh, if you have a Bible, your own Bible, mark that word, circle it, um, highlight it, memorize it. I mean, that's, that's our answer. That's our answer that when David wants to be forgiven, or Abraham, or you, or I, or Paul, to answer for those crimes, Jesus only has to lift up his hand and show the marks. I paid for those sins. I paid for the sins of those who don't deserve it, who actually deserve to be condemned forever. Jesus is our answer. 
He lived a perfect life. Now, this is key, guys. We say he lived a perfect life and we throw that out. If Jesus sinned one time, he has to remain in the grave. There was no way for him to rise from the dead. If Jesus sinned for one moment, if he had one hiccup, why? Because God is perfect. So he lived a perfect life, and on the cross, he's able to make a trade with us. He gave us the life that he lived, and we have given him our record of debt. These are all my sins. You pay for them. And God judged Jesus as if he was judging you and I to bring about justice, to say that he is good in forgiving you because there's been a, there's been a payment for our sins. So he took our injustice upon himself and paid the penalty for it. And he gave us his righteousness freely as a gift. This is how God can be both just and the justifier of the wicked. So what does that cause in you? You with God, if you believe in Jesus and you trust that that sacrifice was for you, what does that make inside of you? Do you want to continue in sin? Do you want to go and disobey God more? Do you want to walk away from the, this, this man that died on the cross for you? Doesn't it make you want to work for justice for those who can't get it for themselves? There's a verse in Micah 6.8 that the video showed, and we'll just read it again together. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. So we want to show you a video about one way IJM helps to work for justice like this. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Habib. I'm here to introduce International Justice Missions to you. They are the largest international anti-slavery organization in the world. They consist of about 750 Christian lawyers, criminal investigators, trauma social workers, pastors, graphic designers, and the donors who support them. They work in 17 communities throughout Africa, Latin America, and Southeast Asia. IJM has rescued more than 45,000 people from oppression, and they work where weak justice systems are unable to protect the oppressed from violence. IJM has trained more than 55,000 justice system officials to recognize and respond to violence since 2012. IJM has participated in more than <clears throat> excuse me, 1,400 convictions against slave owners, rapists, and other criminals. And IJM in the Dominican Republic, which is where we are going to partner with them, and the reason for that is because they're very close proximity to Haiti. They share the same island, and we, as you know, we do support a church in Haiti for orphans. Uh, in the Dominican Republic, they have rescued over 110 women and children, and they have rehabilitated over 27 survivors. They have also assisted with the restraining of almost 30 criminals and helped to train about 1,500 police and government officials. Now, IJM has four major goals. First of all, to rescue the victims. Second of all, to bring the criminals to justice. Third, and this is very important, the restoration of the survivors, because it's one thing to rescue them and then just send them off. I mean, you can't do that. 
And the restoration, of course, includes the gospel of Jesus Christ, how Jesus has died for them and rose from the dead. And to strengthen the justice systems. Now, I had an opportunity to um, attend one of their meetings, and they told about how on, they went to Ghana in Lake Volta. And there were children there that were either stolen or their parents, grandparents, or whoever had them at the time would actually sell them to these people because they were poor and they needed money. And they would work on this lake. And it's very hard work. I mean, you know, six-year-olds and whatever. And they, and they asked us not to say how they did this, but, you know, they went on the lake and they were able to actually talk to the slave owners, actually talk to these children. And um, it tells a story. It's bringing tears to my eyes now, too. And it brought tears to the eye that told about how this young man, he was a teenager at the time, but he worked most of his life on this lake and... And when um, <clears throat> the government at the time was, if not ambivalent towards the whole situation, they're maybe antagonistic towards it. And they talk about weak government system or weak justice system. Some of these countries don't even have a government that even cares. And IGM laid the groundwork so that they could, you know, they gathered the information, and it took, a, it took an election to throw out the existing government. And the new government that came in said, yeah, we have to stop this. And because of the work that IJM did prior to that, they said, hey, we're here, we're ready, let's go, let's do it. And uh, they were able to go onto this lake, they rescued, I don't know how many kids, and one of the kids was there, the young man, he was sitting on the beach, and they came in to get these kids, and they asked this young man what he's doing. He says, well, I'm waiting for my white friend to come get me. This, man, this young man met this man on the lake, and he's waiting for him to come get him. Such a beautiful story, and this is the work that IJM is doing. Um, so I'd like to uh, now show another video about how we can hopefully end slavery for good. All right, well, thank you, Ed, uh, Habib, and Phil. My name's Larry, I'm a deacon here at Fountain of Life, and I am the last speaker for today. And I get to wrap this up with, what does it mean for Fountain of Life to partner with International Justice Mission? And when you look at the videos and you hear what we've talked about today, the, the question is how does it make us feel and how does it make us want to act? Um, that could, hopefully it makes us feel uncomfortable. Um, perhaps it makes, it, it makes us feel motivated. I know to me sometimes I just feel numb and overwhelmed. There's so many disasters, so many crises, so many calls for money, whether it's political, whether it's medical, whether it's something else. Um, but when I look at what was presented today and, and what we learned from the gospel, it's amazing to me that this isn't front page news, that it's just kind of hidden in the recesses and we're not really paying attention to it. Well, the good news is that the Council at Fountain of Life was, you know, got involved with International Justice Mission and we felt motivated to act and with your support, um, we did that. So we're, Fountain of Life is what's called a field office partner with International Justice Mission, and that's a three-year commitment. 
So what I'd like to do right now is just um, show a brief video about um, the Dominican Republic and the specific office and the people that we're supporting. So we have committed $5,000 for three years um, to the Dominican Republic um, International Justice Mission Office. We wrote that first check for $5,000 last month. Um, so that process has started. Um, just on a brief note, um, Matt just sent me an email forwarded from International Justice Mission. In one of those videos, there was a brief um, uh, clip of women and children carrying bricks on their head, being enslaved into hard labor in a brick factory. Um, International Justice Mission just saved 43 people. Awesome. So the question is, how do we respond? Okay, we're responding as a church and a community. It, it's such a blessing for Rob and my wife and I um, to be brothers and sisters in Christ with everybody at Fountain of Life Fellowship. We're such a giving community. What we're doing for International Justice Mission, what we're doing with World Orphans, um, what we're doing for the other missionaries that we support, and what we're doing with, with our pastor, Matt Ford, right now, who's in India working with Reach All Nations to spread the gospel. Simply amazing and a blessing. So the question is, how do we as individuals respond? And there's two ways. We can give and we can pray. So um, on the giving front, um, right now, um, International Justice Mission is looking for what they call freedom partners. And it's a commitment of $24 a month or more um, for a year. It's easy to sign up. Um, we have packets. There's a URL um, on the banner page of Fountain of Life. You can just click on the International Justice Mission, or you can just go to IJM.org and sign up. There's kind of a, an urgency sense right now in this, in this, uh, with uh, Justice Sunday going on. Any donations made by anybody, anywhere, um, there's an organization that's matching those at 100% uh, through the end of the month. So if, if you're something that you're looking to get involved with, basically your funds can be doubled um, if you do that by the end of this month. Okay. <clears throat> the other thing we want to do is in your daily prayers, um, just remember what we've covered. Um, injustice is rampant, and it's, it's due to our own sin. God hates it and will judge it, as Habib covered in his mercy, God has done justice for his people in the gospel. Okay, Jesus on the cross. He, he paid our debt. He paid for our sin. And motivates us to be merciful and love justice. And one of the ways we're going to do this is through International Justice Mission. So I've asked you know, um, my other presenters to come up. And what I'd like to do is just do uh, a prayer together as a congregation. If you could join me and let's pray. So, pray for the victims. Have mercy, rescue, heal. Pray for the perpetrators. Humble them. Convict them. Let them repent and turn to you. Pray for justice systems. Just laws would be established and followed. People could live in peace. Pray for international justice mission the indigenous workers who live in danger to work for justice. And pray for the spread of the gospel. May many trust the one who brought justice for us all. Amen. Thank you.
Thank you for listening, and we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.fountainoflifefellowship.com.